Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. We are kicking off an all-new series on the glory of God. That's the title of our series, The Glory of God. And so the glory of God is multifaceted. And in fact, it's an often used but misunderstood term and phrase that we see in church. And so what we want to do is take you on a little journey over these five weeks to understand it fully. So I do think after today, we may not fully be there, but I believe that by the end of this whole series, we're going to have a greater understanding. And I think that when we understand God better and his glory better, we'll be able to live this life for him better. And so here's a breakdown of how the series is going to go. Uh, today, we're talking about seeing God's glory through his attributes. Next week, experiencing God's glory in his presence. Week three, receiving God's glory through redemption, week four, giving God glory through worship and praise, and then week five, revealing God's glory through you. And so this is where we're kind of going. Just want to kind of set some expectation for these five weeks. I'd encourage you to be back, be here as much as you can. But today I want to start by talking to you about seeing God's glory through his attributes. So the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. It was gone this morning, but it was very cold. In fact, my car was frozen. I didn't know you need scrapers in Sacramento. But this morning, I needed one and uh, used a credit card, and uh, we made it here. It worked out. Uh, but man, I, I was thinking about how we see and seeing clearly, and I do think that there is uh, a lot of misconceptions in the church about who God is. I think that in our culture, in our, in even maybe in our church, but in the church as a whole, we just don't always see God very clear. And so I thought it'd be interesting if I grabbed Chrissy's glasses. Now, her and I are over 40 now, and I still have 20-20 vision, praise the Lord, but uh, she does not. And so she's often squinting at her phone, you'll see her, and squinting at her computer. And so she has some reading glasses now, and so I thought I'd grab, you know, a pair of her reading glasses. And so here we go. You know, they're, they're vibey. In fact, they're Edna, Edna Mode vibes, I think. Uh, if you know Incredibles, come on, somebody. Uh, Edna Mode. Yeah, so that's what I'm rocking today. Um, so don't judge me. Uh, some of you are judging my fit. I just want to let you know that Chrissy bought me this for Christmas, and so I wore it for the first Sunday. So you have issue, like, what is that? Those uh, breakaway, they look like tearaway, like basketball pants. Like, I could just, they come off, but... Uh, my wife bought it for me, okay? So don't judge me. I'm uh, being a good husband, wearing, wearing what she bought me. But, but I was thinking about, like, how do we see? Like, when I put these on, I cannot see clearly because these were not made for me. They, they, in fact, inhibit my vision. My mom, who's right here, she has this thing where she loves for my kids to put on her reading glasses. And so she'll give them to her, and they'll put them on, and they're like, where are you guys, you know? And she thinks it's funny. And I'm like, take those off of them. Because I know that if they wear those for any long period of time, not only does it distort their vision right now, but it could possibly distort it in the long term. But I wear these and they're not for me. They don't even really look like me. Not really my vibe, my style, but 
let's think about it. If we wear glasses and we see life through lenses that we weren't meant to see it through, there's a distortion. And that's what I see happening right now. Like, imagine if I put on your glasses. Let me, let me have them. Can I have them? I'll just share, like, oh, yeah, wow. You all are, you actually all got better looking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> can, can I try yours? Let's just try them. Like, tell me which ones look best on me. We, we didn't do this in, what? There, that's bad. I can't see a thing. Come on, we got a lot of people in glasses in the front row. Come on. Y'all are smart. Sit, yep, yep. Not for me. What about you? Okay, which ones were the best? Okay, okay. Those, are those, these are me? All right, buy me a pair, but, but clear lenses, okay? Athena, make it happen. These were not meant for me. None of the, like every time I put those glasses on, I, it distorted you in a different kind of way. So here's what's happening. I do not believe that we can see God's glory clearly until we see God's attributes clearly. This is what I want to share with you today. That in order for us to see God's glory clearly, we must see his attributes clearly. And I need you to receive this today because here's what's happened. We're in a day and an age where we are inundated with information. And so many of you are seeing God through the lens of the TikTok influencer that gives you your theology. Many of you are seeing God through the lens, the distorted lens of the trauma you experienced from the church of your upbringing. And so you see God through that lens. Many of you are experiencing God through the lens of your parents' faith. And you know they didn't live the faith that they said they had Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, they came looking good, suited and booted, ready for church. Like, glory be to God, my brother, my sister. We're seeing God through a distorted lens. In fact, lenses that were not made for us. And the longer we look through those lenses, the more distorted our vision gets about the God that we serve. So I wonder how you see God. Like, I want you to think about it. When I ask you the question, how do you see God? Some of you picture him. He's like this big old white guy with a long beard, but he has James Earl Jones voice. You're like, that's God. Some of you think of him like, uh, like, like Zeus. and He's got a lightning bolt. And when you mess up, like he's going to just smite you. Some of you think he's just this far off distant being that has no involvement in your life at all. Let's go to Genesis chapter 34. Genesis 34. This is a story, a story of Moses. Now, if you don't know Moses' story, let me just a quick, uh, a quick reminder, catch you up. Some of you may have never heard it. Many of you have. Uh, Moses is, an, is a Hebrew boy born into slavery in Egypt. So the Egyptians uh, have the, the Israelites, the Hebrews, as slaves. And the Israelites and Hebrews have grown to like 2 million people. And so the Pharaoh is, is worried. He's like, man, these people could fight back and overthrow us. So we better do some population control. And so he uh, has an edict where they're going to kill every baby boy under the age of two. And so they begin to do this. And Moses is born and his mother wants to save him. So she puts him in a basket and sends him down the river. Many of you know this story. And this Egyptian princess from Pharaoh's home finds her or finds Moses and says, I'm going to raise him as my own. 
and so takes him into the palace. He is raised there. So he's a child of the Hebrews, but he's also a prince of Egypt. Come on, fire a movie, by the way. Some of y'all go back to the 90s. And, uh, and so he's, he's of both worlds, and he grows and he knows this. He's actually nursed by his own mother. Um, you need to read the whole story to figure out how that all worked out. But, um, but she nurses him. So he knows he's a child of the Hebrews. And so as he gets older, he sees one day this Pharaoh, uh, or not this Pharaoh, this Egyptian slave master beating a Hebrew. And he gets so enraged that he goes and kills this slave master and then buries him in the sand. But they all find out. They see it happen. Some of them saw it. And word gets up the ladder to Pharaoh. And so Moses runs for it. He runs out into the wilderness where he lives for 40 years. He gets married. He has children. He's out in a wilderness in anonymity. Some of you can relate to that. You've been in a season of the wilderness. And yet God never leaves him. And God still has a purpose for him. This is a word for somebody that feels like you've been in the wilderness. God's forgotten about you. He has not. He still sees you. He may be just preparing you for something. And so finally, God comes back to Moses in a burning bush, says, I need you to go and get Pharaoh to let my people go, and you're going to lead them into the promised land. And this is when Moses asked to see God's glory. And he asked to see God's glory, and God says, well, let me tell you, as I show you my glory, I'm going to tell you about myself. I'm going to tell you about myself. Let's read Exodus 34, verse 5. You guys with me today? 11.30, y'all showed up. Come on. I know it was cold. You're like, I'm going to the late service. Smart. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the God, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Amen. We will never see God's glory clearly until we see God's attributes clearly. So I want to share four thoughts with you on how we see God's glory. How are we going to do it? How are we going to see God's glory in 2024? Number one, you're going to see God's glory through understanding what he says about himself. You see, many of you see God through what other people say about him. You see God through the lens of the trauma that you experienced at the hands of another Christian. You see God through the theology of these other people that you follow. You see God through all these other lenses, but the lens of God himself. You see, you can't see God's glory until you see him through what he says about himself. And what does he say about himself here? I love this. I don't think we spend enough time on this, but God actually says, this is who I am. He says, I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. I'm abounding in faithfulness. I forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin, and I'm just. But by no means do I clear the guilty. This is what God says about himself. And yet, how many of you, when you think of God, you don't think of any of these things? 
Or these things are not the things that come to your mind. And yet this is what God declares. And I think that it's hard in today's day and age because we have all the information at our fingertips and what do we see constantly? There's the news is full of bad news. And what does the bad news show us? It shows us injustices. And all we see is injustice after injustice. And some of you are out there going, all I see is injustice. And yet you're going to tell me that there's a God that's just? You see, here's the problem. We see in part. But God sees the whole. And so what you perceive as injustice may be God working behind the scenes, issuing mercy and issuing forgiveness and issuing grace. I mean, how many of us, if we truly receive justice, would even be here today? How many of us receive forgiveness and mercy Day after day, I'm thankful for second chances and third chances and fourth chances. But today, I need you to receive who God is. He's not what the TikToker you follow says. He's not what you read on X or threads. He's not what even that pastor maybe told you about that you felt like was off. He's what he says about himself. Put it up again. This list. Merciful. Gracious. He's slow to anger. Some of you just see God as always angry and mad at you. No, no, no. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love for you. He's abounding in faithfulness. What does that mean? He's with you. He's got your back. And he forgives your sin. And yet he executes justice. You see, you may not see the justice, but I'm here to tell you he's a just God. And his justice will ultimately reign in all situations, in all circumstances. How are we going to see God's glory? We have to see it through this, what he says about himself. Some of you have put on the lenses of the lies and the cynicism and the criticism of the people around you. Let's see him how he sees him. I want to see him clearly, church. I don't want to see him how this world sees him. The second way we see God's glory is through embracing him as creator. I know this is an easy one to proclaim in church, but it's crazy that in today's day and age, when we really pull Christians, how many of them actually have perceptions that are contrary to God's word. And I just want to declare today in this place that God, the intelligent creator, created you. And he knit you together in your mother's womb. And it says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so today, somebody needs to embrace God as your creator, and you've looked in the mirror for far too long, maybe because of what someone spoke over you, lies that people told you, and you looked in the mirror and not liked what you saw, but today, God wanted to tell you, you are wonderfully made in my image. I am your creator, and I've placed you for a time such as this. Listen, I I love where I live. You know why? Because I'm an hour and a half from Tahoe. Come on, somebody. And I'm an hour and a half from the beach. Glory be to God. 
And so when I want either, a short drive and I'm there. But you know what happens every time I go to Tahoe, every time I go to the ocean, what happens is what the Bible tells me is that all of creation shouts that there's a creator. All of creation screams the glory unto the creator God. And so today we need to embrace him as our creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of you and I. So let's just say he, he made me. He created me. We got to receive it today. And I am wonderfully made. Some of you don't think that about yourself. You were wonderfully made. Wonderfully. So we see God's glory through embracing him as creator. Third, we see God's glory through honoring all humanity made in his image. I uh, got in trouble in every service so far with this little section. And so I'm just going to give you guys a heads up. If any of you are triggered, you can email Randy at projectchurch.com. <laughs> That's my favorite joke. I love doing it. <laughs> just kidding. You can email me too. I'm ready. DM me. Slide in the DMs. We'll have a debate. Look at the person next to you right now. I want you to look them. Look them in the eyes. Even if you don't know them, just look at them. Just for a moment. If it's weird because you don't know them, just real quick. Hey, got you. Yeah, I don't really know you, but I see you. Look at your second choice now. <laughs> Listen to me. They are God's glory on display. They are God's glory on display. And I think that if we're going to experience God's glory in 2024, like never before, if we're going to understand God's glory and see it clearly for the first time, you must look at all people as those who are God's glory on display. That the people I see in the store are God's glory on display. The people at the gas station are God's glory on display. The people at work are God's glory on, this, on display. The people that I don't align with politically are still made in his image and are God's glory on display. The Bible teaches we are made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, and we are his glory. We are a reflection of God's glory. And so here's what happens when you realize this. When you begin to see all people this way, as God's glory on display, here's what happens. When you realize this, that they are crowned with glory and honor. Racism becomes detestable to you. Because you say, how could I not honor someone that looks different than me? They are made in the image of God. They are his glory on display. Despite their skin color, how tan they are or not, where they immigrated from, their background. They are crowned with glory and splendor. They are God's glory on display. Not only that, now abortion is abhorrent to you because a baby in a mother's womb is the glory of God, an image bearer crowned with glory and honor. I know it's the first Sunday of the year. You weren't ready for it, but I'm going there. Hear me, injustice of every kind, every kind of injustice towards humanity, 
becomes intolerable to you because you realize every person is crowned with glory and honor. And I think in the church, it's like, well, it's really nuanced, Caleb. There's a lot of things that go into this. No, 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 there's not. There's image bearers. And all humanity reflects the glory of God. And so any injustice should break our hearts. And listen, this isn't popular because I just upset both sides of the aisle. This isn't popular because I'm like, you're not living for a donkey's agenda or an elephant's agenda. You're living for the agenda of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the whole world. We see God's glory through honoring all of humanity as made in his image. His glory on display. And any injustice should break my heart. Should be intolerable despite what political ideology they hold. There's still his glory on display. If the keys will come back, I'm going to close. We left some time on purpose here at the end because I really feel like we're supposed to invite his glory into this place. I don't know if you knew this, but on Friday night, we did an all-night prayer presence night. So we started at 7 p.m., and went till 7 a.m. And uh, only a few of us made it the whole night. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Maybe not hardest, but one of the hardest. And some people are like, why, why did you do that? Well, number one, because we felt like God told us to. And as a church and your leadership, We just want to be obedient. But number two, it was because we wanted to invite his glory into this place. Because we felt like in 2024, we needed his glory more than ever before. And I want to illustrate this for you scripturally because if we go back to the story, so so Moses has now seen the glory of God. God has declared over himself who he is. But what I didn't tell you is how Moses asked. So I just want to go back a few verses to chapter 33. In verse 18. Actually, I'm going to start verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. And Moses said, here's the kicker. I need you to hear this. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to you, to whom I will be gracious, will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. 
And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. So Moses does something that we need to do, which is the last one. We just ask him for it. You want to see God's glory clearly? Ask him for it. You want God's glory revealed in your life? Ask him for it. And Moses says, please show me your glory. And God actually says, oh, I can't show you the fullness of it. If you saw me, you would die. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shield you. And I'll let you see where I was. And that will be enough glory for you. Just seeing where I was, like the remnant of my glory. The after effects of my glory is more than enough glory for you to see. And so today, I just feel like we were supposed to end this service and start this year with a people saying, please show us your glory. Now watch this. I want, I want to go fast forward a few years. Now Israel is established as a nation and they have a king. They start with King Saul and then King David comes into power. And here's what happens. They are attacked by a neighboring nation and they steal the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant was the physical manifestation of the glory of God. It housed the Ten Commandments, which Moses had gotten from Mount Sinai. And so David is asked by his men and his leaders, he's like, they're, they're saying, we need to go into this new territory and attack this nation. And David says, I won't go anywhere without the glory. He says, I'm not moving until we get the ark back because I'm not making any move without God's glory on me, without God's glory with me. And so here's what I think. Here's what I think is happening right now. I think a lot of you have done a lot of great things, built businesses, entrepreneurs, got married, maybe even worked out relationships. Your marriage was struggling. You worked it out. You've moved up the corporate ladder. You've had children. You've done some great things, but I wonder how many of us have done it in our strength. How often have we moved without the glory of God on us? And today, in the first Sunday of 2024, I just felt like God wanted to say to us, it's time to say, I'm not going anywhere without his glory. I'm not moving without his glory. And not only that, but everything I do, I want it covered in the glory of God. Like some of you, you've done some good things for your marriage. You're like, I got some tools and, 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 and we figured out how to have some conflict resolution. That's awesome. We need that. But what if before every session with your spouse, you sat down and said, God, we want your glory in this marriage. We want your glory on these children. God, I want your glory on my business. I want your glory in my job. I want your glory when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm building relationships with my neighbors. I want your glory. Some of you are like, hey, I still don't get the glory. It's okay, we got five weeks. I'll get you there. But some of you, you don't got to get it to ask for it. I think we get it a little more today. But sometimes it starts with asking. We're saying, please show me your glory. And I'm here to tell you, when you start to experience the glory of God in your life, 
you don't need as much explanation. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, it's hard to ever go back to a life without him. And so today, as we close, I get the sense that there's been a people group, maybe even in this church, but in the, the church, that has pursued pleasure rather than experiencing his power. And I'm here to tell you all the things of this world, the pleasurable things, they come and go, they pass away. But when we walk in the glory of the power of God, everything changes. When my every step is covered in the glory of God, I live different, I think different, I speak different, I act different, I process different, I move different. And so today I want us to end this service by simply asking, saying, please show me your glory. Like Moses, like David, I'm not going anywhere without your glory. I'm not doing anything without your glory. And so with heads bowed, eyes closed across this room, you hear you say, Caleb, before I invite the glory, I gotta admit, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I think there's somebody in here, you've been running from God. You've been running from Jesus. You knew him at one time, but you've turned your back. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your savior and as your Lord. I wanna tell you, you can't have his glory until you surrender your heart. And so you're here, you say, that's me. I need Jesus for the first time. I need to rededicate my life. I need to come back in a right relationship with heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. I want you to shoot your hand up. Go, if that's you. Real quick, you need Jesus in your life. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You need to recommit yourself. Yes, hands going up all around the room. I'm not even gonna count. There's hands going up all around the room. You can put them down. Pray this with me, church. I need everyone to pray with those that raise their hands. Come on, repeat after me. Jesus, today I confess my need for a savior. Forgive me and make me new. You died and you rose again. And I receive the gift of salvation, not of my own strength or my works, but yours, the work of the cross. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for taking my place in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.